0: Now that you're warmed up, are you ready for this? Merry Christmas! Woo! People got warmed up. That's good. Well, Merry Christmas. My name is Stephanie. I'm the lead pastor here at Mill City. A special welcome. Hello. Hello. A special welcome to all of you who are here visiting with us, uh, maybe here in town for the holidays or for Christmas, and a special welcome to the community from Elam. Can we welcome those who are our guests with us today? Thank you for joining us. And then I want to extend a very special welcome to our kids and to our youth. Can we welcome them for joining us this this afternoon? I I thought long and hard about what movie I'd want to be in, and I decided it was the new hit, Jingle Jangle. Little known fact about Pastor Steph, really into musicals. Did you know? You didn't know. That's it. There you go. We're getting to know each other. Uh, This afternoon, I want to share about three special gifts of Christmas, okay? Three special gifts of Christmas. And no, 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 I'm not talking about frankincense and gold and myrrh, right? We know that's in Matthew's story. I don't know what I would do with two of those things. <laughs> and no, we're not talking about Legos and books and cash, because that's what I would want for Christmas. Anybody writing that down? Okay. Okay. Those are not the three gifts that I'm talking about. I'm talking about three gifts that are specifically in John's version of the story. Jesus' friend John has three gifts that he's talking about in this version of the story, and here's what I think is true. If anyone receives these gifts, it would change their whole life. If anyone were to take these gifts and receive these Christmas gifts, it would change their whole life. I think these are gifts that are for everybody. For every single person, they are wonderful gifts. And I even think the third gift sometimes is hard to believe is even real, all right? But before I talk about the first gifts, I want to start with a confession, all right? But I need you to promise me, especially especially the teenagers, not to make fun of me. Can I get a promise? I won't make, I won't make fun of Pastor Steph if she confesses. Okay, I'm sometimes afraid of the dark. I know, I know. Sometimes I'm afraid of the dark, kind of, okay? It's not always, but especially in certain time frames, I feel in certain places, maybe when I'm not expecting it to be dark, I am sometimes afraid of the dark. Can someone please tell me I'm not the only one here who's afraid of the dark? We got some other people afraid of the dark. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you, thank you. It's not just me. I think a lot of us are afraid of the dark sometimes, but if you're not, that's okay today. But I want to tell you why I'm afraid of the dark. It scares me a little bit because it makes it so that I can't see things around me. And it's almost like confusing because I can't really see, especially if it's just a little bit dark. And I also don't like the dark because it means that there could be scary things or bad things or dangerous things that I can't see, and that makes me really scared. And when I was a little kid, my mom was working at my church as the children's pastor. And so my brother and I got to spend a lot of time checking out the church building in all its corners, okay? Because we were there because I don't know what mom was doing, messing with the copier or whatever was happening back then. And we were playing all the time and my mom would tell us, all right, it's time to go. And she'd say, make sure you turn off all the lights because she knew that we went around flipping lights on. And my younger brother, Rob, sometimes would flip off some lights and run out of the room. And if he did that and I was left in the dark, you can believe that I would be like, Robbie! Robbie, turn the lights back on! Because I don't, I don't like the dark. And it's so interesting because I'd been in that building so many times when it was bright out and I knew it wasn't scary, but somehow in the dark it was still scary. And so now in my life still today, even as somebody who's <clears throat> almost 40, I'm still a little bit scared of the dark. Because sometimes my husband will say, Alexa, turn off all the lights! Alexa is the thing that turns out. Okay, we're on the same page. So Alexa, turn off all the lights. And if I'm in the basement when he does that, I scream just like I did when I was 10 years old. Alexa, turn back on all the lights! Because I'm afraid of the dark a little bit. Now that I'm an adult, I know there's nothing to be scared of, but it doesn't mean that I'm not still scared sometimes. And I think it's okay that we can admit, some of us, that we are a little bit scared of the dark Because in the Bible, in the story of God, darkness is always used very often as a way of talking about how there are things that are hard and difficult and sometimes scary and dangerous. In fact, sometimes the, the idea of darkness is used to help us know that there is a time and a place in which something special has to happen, and that is that light comes in to the darkness. And so I think that we don't need to feel like it's so irrational to be afraid of the dark, because if the Bible is saying that the darkness can be kind of scary, then I think we're all okay. And so here we see the story of God, the, the idea of darkness right from the very beginning of the story. Have you noticed it? Look at the very beginning of the, of the story of the Bible in Genesis Very, very beginning, the first few verses. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. That's the very beginning of the whole story of God. The very beginning of the Christmas story, we see something really similar. Something very clear about Jesus, and what is that? We just heard Craig say it, that Jesus is the light of the world. And so right here, we see this connection to the very beginning of God's story. Of course, have you noticed how when we celebrate Christmas and we're singing songs, we're often thinking about Jesus being born in the middle of the night? We don't actually know what time he was born, but we do know that shepherds were out and they were in the middle of the night and they were in their fields and they saw the, the angels. And so we know that was nighttime, but we often imagine the Christmas story in the darkness of the night, don't we? Have you noticed that? And I think this is so interesting here because we see that Jesus is the light of the world and in these four different accounts of the story, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see four different ways in which they talk about the same story of Jesus coming to earth. And today I want to look at John's story the version that John talks about. Now listen to this, and I want you to see if this sounds familiar to anything that we just heard, all right? The very first sentence of the book of John, John's story of Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. When he says Word, he means Jesus. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all humankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Do you see how the very beginning of the story of God and the very beginning of John's version of when Jesus came to earth is the same? It matches. John starts the story of Jesus just like the beginning of Genesis. The story of creation starts the same as the story of Jesus coming to earth. Jesus was there from the beginning when the light first came onto the scene. And then Jesus now is coming to earth, and John is showing how Jesus coming to earth is bringing light to the darkness once again. Listen to how Eugene Peterson puts verse 3 through 5 in his paraphrase, the message translation. Everything was created through him. Nothing, not one thing, came into being without him. What came into existence was life, and the life was light to live by. The, light life, the light, life light blazed out of the darkness, and the darkness couldn't put it out. The life light blazed out of the darkness, and the darkness couldn't put it out. When Jesus is in our lives, it doesn't mean that there is no darkness. But it does mean that since Jesus is the life light, that that light blazes in the midst of the darkness that we always experience in our lives. So the first gift of Christmas that I think that we see here in John is that Jesus is the light of the world. The light of Jesus is a gift that we can choose if we want to receive Have you noticed how a single light is so much brighter in the darkness uh, than it is in the light? You've noticed something like that. So let's let's just do it here. I'm going to go over here in the darkness. Now, some people told me I'm not quite mature enough to play with matches, so I'm just going to stay way over here, away from everybody. All right? But we're going to do it anyway. Now, here in the darkness, even though it's not pitch dark over here, watch what happens when I light this. Over here in the darkness, you can see the light's really bright, right? But if I were to bring it over here into the light, you can still see it's bright, but it's not shining over here, but over here, you can see it brighter and brighter. This is just like in our world and in our life. In the darkest moments, in the darkest night, when things feel the darkest around us, even if we're a little bit scared, that's when the light of Jesus can be brightest, Darkness in our lives, when we think about it, it often isn't just about the basement, is it? Or about being in a dark hallway and somebody turns the lights off. I think that darkness in our lives is often about how sometimes we can't see clearly. And we feel confused because we thought something was going to go a different way, but then it didn't. Isn't that what darkness in our life feels like sometimes? Sometimes darkness in our lives looks like the shame that we carry from things that we've done or things that have been done to us. Sometimes darkness in our lives feels like the sadness and grief that we carry because we've lost someone or something that we love. Sometimes darkness in our lives looks like heavy hearts thinking about the brokenness in the world, the things that are happening all over the world even today, the injustice that's happening, the poverty, the oppression, the sickness and pain that's maybe even experienced by some of you in this room. And sometimes when it's that kind of darkness, it's hard to believe that it isn't the overcoming kind of darkness, the kind of darkness that could overcome any light and, and just wipe the light right out. Any little bright light we've been trying to hold on to, sometimes it feels like the darkness in our life can overcome it. I'd be willing to guess that there were times when all of us have been afraid of that kind of darkness, the kind of darkness that brings that heaviness in our life. We all experience sorrow and pain in our life sometimes. But the first Christmas gift that I hope that we can receive is that Jesus came into the world as the life light that blazed into the darkness. I love that. The life light that blazed into the darkness. And no matter what has happened, no matter what will happen, the darkness cannot overcome the light of Jesus. That's the gift of Christmas, the first one. Jesus was the light of the world for everyone. No exceptions. That's amazing. He came to this world for everyone. But look at what John continues to say in verse 9. The true light that gives light to everyone, everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. These Christmas gifts, all three of them that I'm going to talk about today, these are gifts that you get to choose if you're going to receive them. All right, I've got some bad news for you, though. This weekend, tonight or tomorrow, if somebody gives you like an itchy sweater that's like too small, you still have to receive that one, okay? If somebody gives you socks and underwear in front of everybody and that's a little bit embarrassing, just receive them and then put them behind you and then move on to the next gift. If you get a gift that you don't really want in the next two days, I'm sorry to tell you you probably need to receive it, but it's really important for us to know that the light of Jesus is a gift that we can choose to receive or not. Jesus doesn't force it on us. But when we do receive the light of Jesus, something amazing happens. Look at what happens when we go into verse 12. This is, the, this is what happens if we receive the light. Yet to those who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The second gift of Christmas. Are you ready? The second gift of Christmas is belonging in God's family. If we receive the light of Jesus, then we get the second gift. It's like when you open the first one, that means you can open the second one, which is that we get to believe, belong in God's family. Jesus came into the world as a baby, just like we did. Y'all came into the world as a baby. I'm so sorry if I told somebody's kids that and they didn't know that. You're gonna have to deal with that later. But we all came into the world as a baby. And Jesus came into the world as a baby to prove to us that we actually could be in his family. Because we came into the world as a baby. He's proving that to us. John is pointing out that being in God's family, when he says it's not like any other family, he's saying it's not the type of belonging that we could ever experience, even in the most amazing human family. Even the most amazing human family is not as amazing as God's family. This weekend, many of you will spend time with family. I bet some of you it's going to be difficult to get to your family even. And some of us, we don't get to celebrate times like this with family, and that can be really difficult. But the truth is is that family in our lives can sometimes be wonderful, isn't it? But family in our lives can also sometimes be very difficult and very hard. Sometimes the people who we feel should understand us the most seem to misunderstand us in the deepest of ways. I've heard those stories, and I know that that's true. So whether you feel deep belonging or deep loneliness when it comes to family in your life. This gift of Christmas is that God became a human, came into this earth just like you as me as a little baby to prove his love and to welcome us into his family. Because that all, all of us at times, we feel like we don't belong. That's not just you if you felt that way before. But we can receive this gift this Christmas that we have belonging in the family of God. Jesus came to earth to prove that to us. All right, let's look at the last part of John 1 to find the third Christmas gift. Okay, the last part I want to look at today, which is verse 14. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. I love how Eugene Peterson in the message puts it this way. The Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, like father-like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. When we talk with our kids here at Mill City, we say Jesus is how we know what God is like. The father-like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. When John was writing this down 2,000 years ago, John was writing these words, and back then people would gather, just like right now, to listen to these words read. And when these words were read 2,000 years ago in a language called Greek, this is what people would have heard. They would have heard that phrase, made his dwelling among us, and they would have thought about something that happened a long time ago. And I bet none of you thought of this. Maybe if you're real smart, you can tell me later, but I wouldn't have thought of this. When they heard the phrase, God came to dwell among us, they would have thought of something called the tabernacle, It was a tent, and when the people of God didn't have a place that they lived, they'd bring this tent with them, and they'd set up this big fancy tent, and that's where they believed that God's presence was. And so actually, when you look at the Greek there, and you see the words that are there, uh, the Greek is skeonu, or made his dwelling among us, it means took up tabernacle residence. He made a tent. God made a tent among the people. And the people listening to this would have thought, that's like the tabernacle where we used to think God lived. And why did they used to think God lived there? Because now they think God lived in a temple, in a building that people built. The people of God had built temples and buildings that that, that's where they believed that God's presence was most profoundly found, that they could know that if they went to the temple, that's where God is. But here's the truth that's always been true about God. God was never able to be contained by a tent or a building. God was never able to be held back into a small space where only important people could get near to him. God is with us. And sending Jesus to come as Emmanuel, which means the with us God or God with us. Jesus, it means that Jesus is with us anywhere. That Jesus is with us everywhere. Jesus became flesh, became a human, put skin on. Jesus came in flesh and blood. He dwelt among us. He pitched a tent. He moved into the neighborhood, however you want to think about that so that we could know that Jesus can be with us always. That God has left the building. You don't have to go to a building to be with God. And so even though it's 2,000 years later, we have church buildings all around us all the time as well. And here we're gathering in a school and we're having a worship service. And even though we believe that God is present when we do this, the special third gift of Christmas is that Jesus' spirit is always with us. Wherever that ever we go, One of our community members, Bonnie, shared something with me this week, and I had never thought of it this way. She said, the people gathered around the manger were the first church gathering. The people gathered around the manger were the first church gathering, and that is so true. That proves, doesn't it, that you don't have to be in a fancy church building (laughs) to be able to worship God. But it means that you don't have to be with all these people to worship God. People who are watching this at home, they can be with God present anywhere they are. We don't need to be in a church building to, or a worship service to know that Jesus is with us, even though it's really amazing to be together, isn't it? But we also know that we can leave, leave those places and we can be the church wherever we go. That's part of this promise that Jesus is with us. And the other part of the promise is this it helps us know that we're never alone. I know that I'm not the only one, that when I think about this last year, there were times where I felt alone. And I felt like even if there was people around me, sometimes I felt lonely. So maybe you felt that way as well. But what we can know is that the promise of Christmas is this, that that gift is that Jesus is with us all the time. I want to tell you this, and that is that when Jesus is present, when you recognize that Jesus is with you, it changes things in your life. It changes things in your life. When I recognize that Jesus is with me, I'm able to see light even in the darkest moments of my life. When I recognize Jesus is with me, I remember that I'm forgiven Because Jesus took all the brokenness and sin and shame with him on the cross and came back to life. When I recognize that Jesus is with me, I recognize that he can bring healing and comfort to the pain that I have in life. And when I recognize Jesus is with me, I can have peace that replaces that loneliness that I sometimes feel. And here's one thing that I recognize when I realize that Jesus is with me now, but I also remember that he's going to arrive again someday. And that is that when he comes back, All the wrong things are going to be made right. All the sad things are going to be untrue. There's going to be no more oppression, no more poverty, no more pain, no more sickness, no more grief, no more suffering. The presence of Jesus changes everything. So in a little while, we're going to sing Silent Night. That's why you have your your little candles. Safety first. Except for this one up here. We'll keep it out of the way. And as we sing Silent Night, I'm just going to be honest with you. I... I'm probably not the only one that thinks this song is a little bit funny when we think about the Christmas story. Does anyone else think the song's just a little bit funny? We know there was a mom giving birth that night. I've heard that's not quiet or silent. We know that there were animals nearby, and even when the animals are sleeping, they still make noise. I mean, my, dog, my dog's always snoring. Does anyone else's dog snore? And we know that a normal, healthy baby, when it comes into the world, what does it do? It screams and it cries and somehow that's a good thing because it's breathing, it's amazing. So there's no way, no way that that first night was a silent night. Silent night. But perhaps we've been thinking of that song, All Wrong. And this is what I want us to think about today. Here's some of the words to the song. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. Sleep in heavenly peace, right? So we're thinking about Silence and holiness and calm and bright and peaceful. Perhaps the song isn't about what was happening externally. Perhaps the song isn't about what's happening, happening externally in our lives, but rather how there internally there was peace amidst the noise because Jesus had finally arrived. I saw this quote years ago, and it stuck with me, and it probably always will. I'll put it on the screen. Peace does not mean to be in a place where there is no noise, trouble, or hard work. It means to be in the midst of those things and still be calm in your heart. Mary and Joseph in that moment had welcomed God in human form into the world. There is no way it was completely calm on the outside, but I wonder if it might have been calm in their hearts. All is calm, all is bright. Well, in the nighttime, it certainly wasn't bright, but right here, laying in a manger, was the light of the world, wrapped in cloth. It may not have been a silent night when it comes to the surrounding sounds, but perhaps what made it holy and peaceful was that God's gift, God's promise had been delivered right there in the flesh. In a little no-name neighborhood by some people who would have never been important enough to go to the center of the tabernacle or the temple or any of the important places, little baby Jesus could sleep in heavenly peace, but so could his parents and so can we because the greatest gift had come into the world, God becoming a human. So this Christmas, I don't know if you're going to experience too many silent and holy, calm and bright nights. Probably not. When you think about the sights and the sounds and everything around you, but with Jesus, any night can be holy and peaceful when he's living in our lives. Any night, no matter what's happening around us. So here's the three gifts of Christmas, all right, that I want you to consider receiving. The light of Jesus... Jesus, the light of the world that blazes even into the darkest moments of our life. Belonging in God's family. Jesus came into the world as a baby, just like we did to prove that we could be a part of his family. Jesus' spirit always with us. Can we receive that gift that Jesus came to show us that he is with us in our everyday spaces and we're never alone? And so my invitation for you to consider this weekend as you go throughout the rest of the holiday is this would you ask Jesus to show you where you can receive his amazing gifts more fully this Christmas? No matter where, what you've experienced, would you ask Jesus to show you where you can receive his amazing gifts more fully this Christmas? So my questions then is this. This Christmas, have you let Jesus light into your life, even in the darkest moments? This Christmas, do you believe that Jesus welcomes you into the family of God no matter what anyone else has told you? Do you believe that the deepest belonging you could ever know is a part of that family? This Christmas, do you recognize that Jesus is with you everywhere you go, and you can join in what God's Spirit is doing everywhere you are in your everyday spaces? When you choose to give your life to Jesus, these gifts are for you if you're willing to receive them. So this Christmas, we have a chance to let the light of Jesus into our lives. And whether you're letting the light of Jesus into your life for the first time or the 50th time or the 500th time, or maybe it's been a long time, trusting your life to Jesus as your leader and your Savior is the most important decision that you could ever make. Because of course Jesus didn't stay a baby, did he? He grew up to have a powerful ministry. He gave up his life on the cross, but he came back to life to prove that we can be people who live forgiven and free. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords, but he's also our closest friend who is full of grace and mercy for us, no matter what we've done or what has been done to us. So as we continue to sing together this afternoon, as we finish our time up together, I invite you to just open your heart to Jesus, whether it's the first time or the 500th time, and just ask Jesus to show you where you can receive these gifts just a little more fully this Christmas season.